It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every week we look at potential topics for future shows. And this one began with, I think... Our sharpest disagreement so far, Jim, you, you sent me an opinion article with the headline, Plastic Bags Help the Environment. And I thought, no way are we doing an interview with a guy who says that. Right. We, we had a slightly testy exchange over text for a day or two over that one. Yeah. But then I started reading more deeply about what our guest had to say and realized there was actually more to it than that, that he'd studied the problem for years, had some interesting things. To say. So you changed your mind before we even interviewed our guest. Today's episode, Why Everyone's Wrong About Plastic, with John Tierney. If you think the biggest problem facing the planet is, is climate change, you shouldn't be banning plastic grocery bags and causing greenhouse emissions to increase. I mean, you know, worry about reducing your carbon footprint, but look at the big stuff. I mean, it's, it's airplane travel, it's having second homes, it's how many car trips you make. That's where, the, you know, that's where your major carbon emissions are coming from. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Today we're going to talk about the controversy over plastic bags, plastic straws, plastic waste and recycling with a guest who takes a very contrarian stance on this issue and he's been studying it for decades. He's John Tierney and John has spent more than two decades as a science writer and columnist at the New York Times. He's also a contributing editor at the Manhattan Institute's City Journal. John's also the author of several books and he's the co-author of a new one called The Power of Bad, How the Negativity Effect Rules Us and How We Can Rule It. John Tierney, welcome to our table at How Do We Fix It? Thank you for inviting me. So, John, you know, to me, one of the most valuable types of journalism involves goring sacred cows, showing people that their comfortable ideas on a certain topic are just completely wrong. And... Uh, more than 20 years ago, you wrote a legendary story of that type. It was titled, Recycling is Garbage, and it ran in the New York Times Magazine. The New York Times Magazine, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, oh my goodness. And yeah. what happened next? Um, it set a record for hate mail, the Times. It, it was interesting, Rudy Giuliani 
you know, he called the, the Times Magazine editor and he said, uh, that, well, that's the greatest piece I've read. I'm going to stop our recycling program. And then he quickly realized the politics are just impossible. You know, people love to recycle, even though it doesn't make economic sense. Well, maybe we should start there. Why do you think it doesn't make economic sense? You know, the initial rationales for it were that it came out of the 70s and 80s energy crisis era, that we're running out of natural resources. In fact, you know, plastics was one of these things that, that we're running out of oil. You know, we shouldn't be using plastics. We need to save this this oil for other things. There was a whole idea that we're running out of resources, and then that was coupled with the idea that we're running out of landfill space. And there was the famous garbage barge. Yeah, and that was a classic thing where it was an example of of actual good news. They had tightened environmental standards. They were closing all these local dumps, and so there was a temporary shortage. Some of these dumps had to send it elsewhere. But they were building these, you know, really well-lined landfills way out in the country where, you know, in places that wanted them because they were huge economic engines. They were kind of hidden in the woods. So there was never a shortage of landfill space, and there was, and there was never a shortage of these materials. We weren't running out of, of paper or metal or anything like that. So uh, the whole idea that we'll make money because these things are all going to become more expensive and scarce and we'll recycle them and it'll make economic sense – that never happened. You know, materials tend to get cheaper over time. So cities spent a lot of money um, collecting these things. It, it costs a lot extra to do it, not counting. I mean, the biggest cost of all is all the time and money people spend, you know, sorting this stuff. But you challenged something that was so a view that was so widely held. Ironically, now we've got New York City, which is on the verge of, of abandoning a lot of recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think people get so angry when you know a strongly held belief is challenged, I think for a lot of people, um, environmentalism is a religion. I mean, or it fulfills a lot of the needs of a religion, and 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 if and some of that same puritan guilt people have in a religion that we have this guilt that we consume too much stuff, and uh, I, you know, someone said that uh, uh, we like to pretend that we don't like stuff. But our trash is the lipstick on the collar of our love affair with stuff. And so recycling is a way to expiate that guilt. And and people just have an intuitive sense for running out of everything. And we're actually not. Let's focus in on the particular piece that was the genesis for this. It's your article in the winter issue of City Journal. And if I can put in a little plug, I also have an article in that (laughs) issue. If you look back over the last few years of how do we fix it, you'll see a lot of people who've been associated with this very independent, contrarian think tank. (laughs) But plastic recycling, your story was about why plastic recycling in particular is problematic. What's the core of that argument? Right. You know, plastic recycling, there, there is so little market for the, you know, the plastic that we recycle that it's very labor intensive to sort it. There's so many different kinds of plastics. And so there's really no way to, to, to do it efficiently um, in the United States, you know, where labor costs are high. So the only place that it can go or that it has been going is to countries with very low labor costs, chiefly Asia. Used to be China, then China got sick of accepting all these recyclables. Now it's going to Malaysia and Indonesia. And the problem is that these countries do not have very good systems for managing waste. Some of the, you know, they, these bales of recyclables that we pay them to take off our hands, some of them just get dumped illegally. So, so you're saying that, that plastic recycling can mean that more 
plastic ends up in the ocean or in places where it could cause true environmental damage than would be the case if it wasn't recycled? Exactly. You know, people think that, I mean, plastic pollution in the ocean is a problem, but it's not coming from our shores. It's not coming from the products that we toss in the trash. That stuff just gets burned or sent to a landfill. And so by putting it um, in a recycling bin, you're actually increasing the chance that that is going to end up in the ocean somewhere. Because those countries don't have good environmental controls? Right. They, you know, so some of it leaks into the environment there. That, I mean, some of it gets burned. It's kind of toxic. And this is something that environmentalists recognize. I mean, there have been exposés by Greenpeace and, and other places about what's happening. That it, It's ending up in rivers there. Um, it leaks out of the recycling plants or it never even goes to be recycled. It just sort of gets dumped somewhere. Don't we have a problem? though with plastic aren't we using too much of it you talked about for instance with plastic that goes into the trash it could end up being burnt that's not good for the earth's atmosphere i mean most stuff in the u.s gets landfilled but i mean you know there are new incinerators and some very ecologically conscious countries in europe use these high-tech incinerators there's very little pollution but, from them but things can leach out of landfills i mean i, I the, in new york for instance we don't have landfill space anymore and there's huge fresh kills landfill in the new york harbor and i've been on a boat tour around it and and um, there's a, a lot of money spent on trying to contain that landfill and stop it leaching into the water and into the into the air. Well, I mean, fresh kills is an old style dump. I mean, I haven't seen documented cases that there's really problems with that stuff being contaminated. But I mean, one thing when you talk about plastic problems, I mean, there certainly is a problem of plastic pollution in the ocean that has been increasing. Um, and it used to be said that most of this comes from land, that it's our throwaway society. People have that idea. But when researchers have looked, it turns out that um, about half the stuff tends to be discarded stuff from fishing vessels. And we ought to be trying to enforce and stop them from doing that. It's illegal. Um, and the other stuff in the Great Pacific garbage patch, it almost all comes from Asia. And almost all the, the plastic pollution in the ocean, most of it comes from Asia, a little bit from South America and, uh, and Africa. Some people here in the U.S. would argue that why should we face this problem at all? Why not just use products that are biodegradable? Biodegradability is not a great feature because the stuff decomposes and it can, you know, and it releases methane and, and, and the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And so, methane is a very potent it, it, greenhouse gas, right. even more so than carbon dioxide. Right. I mean, plastic has these wonderful properties. You know, it's funny when you look back at the in the fifties when it was introduced, people just marveled. It's so light, it's so strong, it's so cheap. It's a great way to stop food from spoiling. That so it's great for health. It's got all these great uses. And now that we're worried about green greenhouse emissions, um, plastic is so light and, and, and it requires so little in the way of energy compared to paper products or wooden products and things that it's very little energy to, to manufacture or transport. So you're saying that, that when it comes to packaging materials, which plastic is used a tremendous amount for, the alternatives would be worse? Yes, they, they certainly involve more greenhouse emissions because, you know, manufacturers choose them because they're so thin and lightweight and strong, and, and so there's, there's not much energy used in making them, and, it, and they're very light to transport. And what would be the alternative? The alternative is using you know, cardboard or paper or 
um, or reusable. You know, now people like to use for grocery bags, tote bags, and you can use these things, but they, they're much thicker plastic and they have much bigger carbon footprints. Uh, I mean, you know, one example I talk about is, is using a reusable tote bag, a cotton tote bag. You would have to, it's got such a big carbon footprint to begin with to manufacture that and ship it. It takes a lot of energy. Um, you know, compared to one of those gossamer thin plastic grocery bags that you would have to reuse it 173 times before you can um, uh, you know, cancel out that big uh, uh, carbon footprint versus one of the thin plastic grocery bags. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> wow. I, I actually have to say, I think I have reusable bags, not the cotton type, but the heavy duty yeah. you know, uh, plastic fiber type that I've used at least a couple hundred times. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm coming out ahead in that equation. Maybe, but, but you probably have, I mean, the average, the average one is only used 15 times. So, so basically when you ban plastic grocery bags, you're, you're, you're increasing the carbon footprint. And the other thing people do is that when you take away those really thin grocery bags that we're using as pooper scoopers or bin liners, they, they end up buying other plastic stuff and they often end up buying thicker plastic. So you end up with, you know, bigger carbon footprint. Even if recycling isn't necessary, isn't it a good idea to use less plastic where possible? Well, grocery, the plastic grocery bags do use less plastic. The, those things are miracles. I mean, they are so thin, those bags. It's amazing that they can hold food. So th- they use very little in the way of resources. I mean, paper bags, uh, they, they have four times the carbon footprint of a, of a plastic bag, and they take up 12 times more room in the landfill. So they, they really use more resources. I mean, the other example is, you know, styrofoam cups, which, you know, we, we banned and things that um, versus a reusable mug, you have to use the mug, I think, hundreds of times in order to cancel out the carbon footprint and mugs break. And so, you know, one thing that I found out since I published the article that uh, there was a study that since San Francisco banned plastic grocery bags, they've had a 25% increase in visits to the emergency room and in deaths accountable to foodborne illnesses, you know, and, and I cite a study in this that uh, and when they looked at, at the reusable tote bags in grocery stores, they found that, that all of them have bacteria in them because people just don't wash them. So you're telling me that all of my 2019 New Year's <laughs> resolutions really should be thrown in the garbage because I really did. I, I use a, a recyclable plastic cup. Um, instead of whenever I go to, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or, or Starbucks, instead of their cup. You're right. It's true. And also, I've tried really hard not to use plastic bags and instead using a bunch of different canvas bags that we have in our closet. So I guess I've uh, well, I not been say- very good. I mean, my advice on this in general is that I, I worry more about making life convenient for people. So, you know, that for, for, for harried parents, like, you know, telling them that they shouldn't use disposable diapers. To me, that was they have so much else to, to worry about. And it turned out that if you looked at the comparisons, it wasn't really clear that that the cloth diapers were any better because you have to wash them and there's all the energy with that. I mean, I use reusable water bottles. I mean, I carried them around and I refill them. I, I, you know, I don't want to buy new ones. And I think when you can reuse stuff, it's good. We're speaking with John Tierney, who, who wrote this <laughs> provocative article that at first glance made me mad called Plastics Help the Environment. Uh, this is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Back in a moment. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today's recommendation is Democracy Group, which is a group we've just joined and are part of. Uh, We are among, uh, I think it's seven or eight podcasts, founding members of a new network of podcasts about democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. And not only is there How Do We Fix It? There are also podcasts called The Science of Politics, Out of Order, Swamp Stories, In the Arena, uh, Democracy Works, and Future Hindsight. And they feature some guests, Jim, that are have been on some of our podcasts. So we got there first. We're fellow travelers. It's great to be part of this community. It's a great organization, and we're really pleased to be included Included with this great group of podcasts. I want to talk about recycling a little bit because, you know, we've all been raised and our children have all been raised that recycling is this crucial thing that we do for the environment. But I got to say, in my town, if I go down to the recycling center, it's a freaking mess. I mean, people have waxy milk cartons mixed <laughs> in with their newspapers. They've got, they've got dirt. They've got plastic containers that are that all kinds of food waste stuck to them. And you can go downstairs in the apartment building where we're recording this right now and look at our recycling. It's a disaster. So what happens when all this crap that's not supposed to be in the in the recycling stream gets in there? What happens to all those materials? Well, somebody has to sort through it. I mean, an awful lot of places now simply just send it to the landfill. And they so don't, you're going to all tell, this effort until it, it goes it's to the It's a lot of places do that. And in fact, you know, there have been like newspapers that have exposés. We discovered our town is and they, the town would say yeah it was just too expensive to you know to try and pay anyone to, to recycle this for us but i mean glass bottles are one of the dumbest things to recycle because there's no shortage glass is made from sand we're not running out of sand and it, they break in the recycling trucks they break in the machinery they, they foul up the machinery and there's absolutely no market for for you know for used glass on the other hand there are materials like aluminum yes. that has a lot of energy in it or steel that are pretty easy to recycle and more economical, aren't they? Yes. Um, aluminum is one of the things that does make sense from an energy and economic standpoint to do. Um, so does, I mean, like, you know, for Walmart to recycle its cardboard boxes makes sense. They're all in one place. They're, all, they're pretty similar, and somebody can efficiently get them and, and recycle them. So some forms of recycling can produce real benefits. Yes. I mean, in a rich country like America, people's time is pretty valuable. People are busy taking care of their families. And I don't think it's worth people's time to spend all this, you know, and using up space in your house for all these different bins. I don't think it's really worth the time and effort. Can you imagine a day sometime in the distant future where where maybe we do start running out of resources and they go back into those landfills and they say, hey, look, there's a lot of aluminum in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said that, 
Uh, with robots, for instance, if you had a great robot sorting, so you didn't have to pay someone to do it, that, that maybe it would make sense. But I mean, the two big long-term trends are that the price of raw materials goes down, and that's been doing that for thousands of years, and the cost of human labor goes up. And recycling is kind of fighting those two trends because they're using increasingly expensive labor to produce materials that are worth less and less. Okay, John, I, I, want to push, I want to push back on a couple of things. Because when I first read the, the Wall Street Journal article, um, so one thing that, that that article appeared to do is, is to say environmentalists are in a panic over plastic and they're just way too emotional about this. And I thought that was a little disdainful. I, I, th I think that I'm just wondering whether that's a helpful way to win over new converts to your cause. Well, I agree. It's, it, it, I mean, it doesn't help to be disdainful, and I, I didn't mean to be that. But I, I do sense with the plastic that, I mean, recycling, and I've written a lot about that. Yeah, the best argument for recycling is that a lot of people say, I am willing to pay extra to do it because it makes me feel good. And, and in that sense, and I've always said to people, if you want to recycle, you should. But, and recycling is just, it increases the expense of waste disposal, but it doesn't, and it does produce some very slight environmental benefits. But plastic, the plastic panic, as I call it, is actually hurting the environment. I mean, if you think the biggest problem facing the planet is, is climate change, you shouldn't be banning plastic grocery bags and causing greenhouse emissions to increase. And that's what San Francisco did, for instance. They may have doubled the grocery bag greenhouse emissions by banning plastic bags. Explain, explain that a little more, yeah. When you ban those thin plastic grocery bags, which have very tiny carbon footprints, you know, it takes very little natural gas to make that. They're so light, it doesn't cost, it's not very um, energy intensive to ship it. So they have a really small carbon footprint. When you ban that, all the substitutes involve a lot more carbon. Paper bags have four times the carbon footprints. Thicker plastic bags just have bigger carbon footprints too. Our culture tells us that wood is good. You know, it's natural, it's organic, and plastic is bad. It's it's a syn synonym for phony. It's made from chemicals. It's man-made. <laughs> yeah. But can you make the case for plastic? Well, well, as I say, it's got a lower. You know, it involves fewer carbon emissions than the than the products that that we use as substitutes than the old-fashioned ones. But 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 you raise a great point. I mean, this the plastic panic, as I call it. You know, you go back in the '60s and '70s, and people just had this this disdain for something that was unnatural and plastic. And I think to some extent it was. I mean, the, you know, there was an element of people just intuitively feel that a natural product is better. There's that old, that reverence for it. Um, and I think there's also some class stuff there where plastic was, it was all these new cheap products and they were tacky, you know. So we like the old, you know, Thorsten Veblen wrote about this in Theory of the Leisure Class, how the leisure class doesn't want cheap things that are available to the masses. So, um, and, uh, and I think plastic just had that bad rap and they, people look for different reasons to, to get rid of it for a long time. They were so, and I think there's always been sort of an aesthetic objection to it. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Yet. <laughs> okay. I live a lot of the time along the coast of Connecticut, mm -hmm. and plastic bags are a problem. Yeah. And you see them a lot on the beaches, mm -hmm. and they're very lightweight. And I'm told that they also, because they're so lightweight, it makes it easy for them to escape waste pickup and management systems. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to old timers, mm -hmm. and they say that the 
the amount of plastic waste that's washing up along the coast is way worse than it used to be. I think that's true because there is more plastic used now than in the past. I spend some time looking at, at litter statistics and litter studies. And, you know, plastic is, they're certainly there and they shouldn't be there. You know, we should really be trying to get rid of that litter to stop people from dumping it and to pick it up. Um, but the research shows and, and places have shown that the best way to deal with litter is to, is to confront all of it at once, to have campaigns to discourage it, find people for doing it, and spend money cleaning it up. I think people should do what makes them happy. What about the good aspect of, of recycling in that you're asking people to be involved, just to play their part in, in making this a cleaner place to live in? That is useful psychologically for people, and I think it's good to, to feel that you're saving things. But it also, in a way, distracts people. I mean, because you know, people can jet off to Europe and burn this huge amount of carbon, but feel well. But I if did. they drove their Tesla yeah, to the yeah, airport, right? And if they did, and if they recycled their bag, and you know, the, or I used a tote bag, it, it's a way to kind of deflect the problem. And not, I mean, I'd rather people were sp were making efforts to do things that made more impact. Sounds like you're kind of wary of bans. I, well, I am. I think you certainly shouldn't create problems for other people. You try. You shouldn't litter the beach. I certainly agree with that. There ought to be stiff fines for that. But if you want to use a plastic bag, or you know, go ahead. What should we be doing? I mean, what are some things that we should be doing to help the environment that we're not doing enough of? I mean, I think for problems like climate change, more, you know, the more research you can do into low carbon energies, you know, that's money well spent. The As far as individually, I mean, one can reduce one's own carbon footprint. I mean, one example I say is that if you are worried about the greenhouse emissions from grocery, you know, from your grocery bags, even if you use a reusable tote every time, it, it, it's like the equivalent over the course of a year of, of, of cutting out two car trips to the grocery store. You would you would save a lot more carbon by just shopping online from Fresh Direct or Amazon. That really, you know, that cuts carbon emissions in half. But I've been wondering about this, John. In my yeah. neighborhood, you've got Amazon and other delivery trucks around all the time. Isn't that putting out a lot of carbon? They are, but you know, but when you add up all the car trips that they're using, I mean, I'm basing this on a study where researchers looked at how much energy are the trucks using, you know, how much carbon are they emitting versus all those car individual car trips. And I think it makes sense that it's that truck goes into six houses in the neighborhood instead of all six people driving five miles to the grocery store. So, so you're not saying all opposition to plastic or reusable things is is stupid. It's just we should focus on the things that really make a difference and not on things that are merely symbolic. Right. I mean, I, I mean you know, worry about reducing your carbon footprint, but look at the big stuff. I mean, it's, it's airplane travel. It's having second homes. It's how many car trips you make. That's where the, you know, that's where your major carbon emissions are coming from. Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> John Tierney. <laughs> Thanks very much for Thank joining you. us on it's How Do We Fix talking. It. So, Richard, what brought you around from your initial hostility to this kind of provocative framing of this issue? Because John Tierney says he's an environmentalist and feels that litter is a problem and that plastics in the ocean is a problem. He's not denying that plastic waste is a problem. I think key to his argument, and I still have a quarrel with exactly how he gets there, um, is that we need to focus on what's most important when it comes to 
waste and it comes to recycling. If recycling is not really reducing carbon emissions and is also costing cities and states a great deal of money, then we ought to question it. Yeah, to me, that sort of suggests the fallacy of the idea that, well, we have to do something. When somebody tells you we have to do something, it really often means they haven't really thought out the cost-benefit analysis. If we want to tackle environmental problems, and to me, the crucial one above all is carbon emissions and then habitat health, you know, eliminating plastic in the oceans would be, would be a, a close second. We should be focusing our efforts on the things that get the biggest results. We don't have unlimited money. So instead of spending money on garbage trucks, making three trips a week instead of one trip a week to pick up, you know, dirty plastic out of people's uh, driveways, let's spend that money on things that really do work. The one pushback that I gave during the show, and I'm going to give it again, is that, is that using the word panic – uh, to describe other people's genuine concerns about plastic is, is disrespectful to environmentalists and is not a good way to make your argument if you're trying to convince people, hey, maybe there's a better way to do things. And that's a global criticism of anybody who takes a contrarian stance on an issue, you know, and, and sometimes frames it in a, in a slightly provocative way. Or even a but, snarky way. But in, in John's defense, the term moral panic is a well-established term to describe all sorts of areas in which the press and the public become obsessed on certain issues and then... Be, they tend to screen out the counter evidence and and overly focus on on a problem that's often been exaggerated or misrepresented. But without emotion, how do we get people's attention? Emotional reasoning is the worst way to make policy because it leads to bad policies, often counterproductive policies. You know, you listen to Bernie I, I Sanders. I totally disagree. Listen I, to Bernie Sanders. He's very passionate. His followers are passionate. I believe they care deeply about the planet. But he wants to close down all the nuclear power plants overnight. That would be the worst thing. That's for an argument emissions. against Bernie Sanders. It's not an argument against emotion. I mean, for instance, with, with Barack Obama's 2008 campaign, wonderful use of emotional arguments. But when it comes to specific policies, we can't just go for the ones that make us feel good. We have to crunch the numbers and, and really focus on, on things that work. You're worried about CO2? Stop flying to Tahiti for vacation. You know, there are things you can do in your life, even little things, one less car trip a week. And yet people are very reluctant to do those things, and they want to pat themselves on the back for symbolic things that don't really make a difference. So you're saying that the, the, the best solutions is being hijacked by symbols. Yes, exactly. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. We're a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. Check us out at Davies Content. Com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.